Okay, we're in Ezekiel chapter 16. If you've got that place, would you... I didn't tell you the chapter. Ezekiel 16. Let's stand together and we're going to read a few verses before we pray. So good to see you on this Sunday night. I love the Sunday night service. Ezekiel 16. Let's look in verse 48. Keep in mind now we're... We're developing, we're going to be looking at some sermons along the line of living in Sodom. Understanding what Sodom was like and understand that Jesus said the day that he returns will be like that time. Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 48, the Bible says, As I live, saith the Lord God. Now he's speaking to his people. Sodom thy sister hath not done, she nor her daughters as thou hast done, thou and thy daughters. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Now God is comparing his own people to Sodom, this notoriously evil, wicked, vile place. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her. And in her daughters neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore I took them away as I saw good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the good singing tonight. Thank you that our minds have been drawn to you, to your mercy, to your love. Lord, to the goodness of God, we thank you for that. And we pray tonight as we look into the Scriptures that you would help us to learn, feed our soul. Lord, open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of thy law. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So Ezekiel, the prophet has this assignment. And a part of his assignment is to show Israel how God sees them. Now this is an important thing for us to think about. It's very simple, but we don't always see ourselves the way God sees us. And it's good for us to see from God's vantage point. And so this was his assignment. If you look at the very beginning of Ezekiel 16... The first two verses, it says this, Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. That was the job of the prophet. That was the job of numerous prophets, but Ezekiel's doing the speaking here. Jerusalem is the capital city of Judah. Judah, the southern kingdom. Samaria, the northern kingdom. Jerusalem, Judah. And he says... Cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And he's rebuking his people. And a part of his rebuke is he compares them to Sodom, the most infamous, wicked, vile, depraved city. Right? I'm not talking about St. Clair. That's in the top five probably. No. Amen. <laughs> He's talking about how this wicked, wicked city. Imagine God's people being compared 
to this place, Sodom. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to begin at this passage here, and we'll look at a couple other passages other than Ezekiel chapter 16. But I think it's important to look at some insight as to why Sodom ended up the way they ended up. You know, a city doesn't just all of a sudden one day wake up and say, you know, we want to be known as a perverted, wicked, vile, corrupt city. I think there's a progression that happens, don't you think? I think there's a process. And I think this, is, this passage gives us a clue about it. And by the way, this is not the only place we see this comparison. If you're in Ezekiel 16, hold your hand right there or mark it with something and go to the left to uh, Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah 23 and verse 14. Jeremiah's prophesying and he says, I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. Jeremiah 23, 14. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom, and the inhabitants thereof is Gomorrah. There again, Jerusalem mentioned in a verse comparing them to Sodom. Go with one more place to the left to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 3. This is a passage that I read yesterday morning. We had a good Bible study at the house yesterday with some of our men and and uh, this was a passage that we dealt with a little bit. Um, in verse, let's look in verse 8. For Jerusalem is ruined. There again, we're mentioning Jerusalem. This is Isaiah. We've looked at Ezekiel. We've looked at Jeremiah. Now we're looking at Isaiah. For Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue, that's their words, and their doings, their actions, are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of His glory. The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they, talking about Jerusalem, declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Now that's a pretty profound thing to me, that all these prophets speaking Fourth, the Word of God are comparing these people of God, Jerusalem, to Sodom. So the question I have is, what leads a person? What leads a people to a place of such reprobation as we see in the city of Sodom? We talked about it last week. And by the way, Today's, today's lesson is a little unique because we're not going to just be talking about Sodom as it ended up. We're talking about Sodom, I believe, as it was on this road. Here's the title of the message tonight, The Road to Reprobation. How did they ever get here? How did they, how's America? How did America get to the place she's in today? Where such corrupt things are becoming the new norm. They didn't just, this, this city, Sodom, didn't just become the perverted city that they was, and just like our country. It is, we've, many of us have watched this evolve over recent, we talked about this last Sunday, over recent decades. 
The same thing happens for individuals. They don't just they don't go one day from a humble life of fearing God and obeying God to the next day turning their back on everything that's good and proper and wholesome. Usually there's something that happens to lead them down that way. Now here's some things where I'm back in Ezekiel 16. Here's some things we know about Sodom. They were known for their terrible sin so much so that God destroyed them, rained fire and brimstone upon them and destroyed them, annihilated them. But their lack of morality wasn't their only problem. We see other problems here in Ezekiel 16, beginning in verse 48, where we read a moment ago. We would call these more like character issues. Um... Let's look at the sins in our text. The sins, sins that you don't normally think about when you think about Sodom. When I, don't, when I think about Sodom, I don't think about these things. But these things were there. And these things, I'm sure, were there before they ended up in the place that they ended up. And I think this is really important to understand. So what are some of these things? Look in verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. And the first one is what? Pride. The first, the first thing he mentions about Sodom was not their, their homosexuality. It was not their perverted morality. It was pride. You know, the, the, if you look at the center of the word pride, you have the letter what? I. When, when, when we are the center of our universe, that's what pride is. Self-exaltation, self self-will, presumption. Just, I can do whatever I want to do. I have to have my way. I mean, these, when we get to the story of Sodom later and how the angels visited there in Lot's house, I mean, they, they tried to dissuade these people from coming, but they just wanted what they wanted. They wanted their way. Pride is having, young person, when you feel like you have to have your way, that's what pride is. Demanding to have your way. Pride is acting independent of God. I don't need God. I can do it on my own. Now, you, you and I may not think like this, but if we get up tomorrow morning and we just take off through the day doing what we normally do on a Monday or going through the motions, going to, going to work, going shopping, without really looking to God, relying upon God, depending upon God, what we're depending on is ourselves. And that's pride. Pride is acting independently of the Word of God. Said, I don't need God's guidelines. I can do this on my own. Pride is acting independent from authority, independent from counsel. I don't need any advice. I'm the smartest man on the planet. Why do I need advice? That's pride. So pride was at the heart of their problem. I believe that with all of my heart. Prideful. There's another thing that's mentioned here in verse 49, and that is fullness of bread. They were self-satisfied. They were prosperous. They, they had everything. They, they, had, they, were a, they were an abundantly blessed place. You know, sometimes it shouldn't always have to be this way, but sometimes when we, when we don't have needs, we get to thinking we can manage without God. 
They were, there was fullness of bread. Why did Lot, well, again, we'll cover this, but why did Lot choose the place he chose? Abram gave him the choice, remember? They couldn't coexist. Abram and Lot, there were too many, too many cattle, too many herdsmen. They were having difficulties. There was tension. And so Abram said, you choose what you want. Which one you have? You can have whatever you want. And you know what he chose? He chose the well-watered plains of Jordan. You know why? Why? Because, because he wanted to gain. He, wanted, he hoped to gain from that. Sodom was a, was a prosperous place. And I want to tell you, America lives there. America lives in that place. And I know sometimes we don't realize that, but, but we have the fullness, of, we have so much waste in this country. So much, so much self-indulgence, carnality, ungratefulness. I mean, we're just, we're just surrounded by blessing and ungrateful. And by the way, I was thinking about this verse this afternoon. Hold your finger here in Ezekiel and go over to Luke for a moment. And in Luke chapter 21, we get this instruction concerning the coming of the Lord. And I'm not going to look back all these verses, but, you know, verse 25, he says there'll be, Jesus talking, there'll be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And verse 26, men's heart failing them for fear. And look down, though, if you would, please, in verse 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. That language, surfeiting, has to do with excess and gluttony and just fullness of bread. People so busy. By the way, that's the way he described Noah and Lot's day. You know, they're marrying, giving in marriage, they're building, they're doing all these things. They're blessed, they're prosperous. They have a life so full that they don't really have time for God. And that's our world. That's some, that's some people that profess to be saved. They, you know, they say they know the Lord, and yet there's no room in their life for God. They have need, that's, remember what uh, Jesus told the church at Laodicea there? Rich and increased with goods have need. You say, you say you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You say, I've got everything I need. And God's trying to say, no, you need me. This is what we find here in Ezekiel 16. This is describing... This is describing God's people who are being compared to, to Sodom. And it says in this text in Ezekiel 16, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom in verse 49. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. An abundance of idleness. Now I know most people don't think they have idle time. Most people think they're extremely busy. So it's amazing. Talk to teenagers. They're just stressed out. I mean, they've got so much going on in their world. But you know what it is? is most of what's going on, it's leisure. We're, our, our culture is obsessed with leisure. Self-gratification. Wasting time. Media entertainment. You know... Always obsessed with who's saying what and Facebook and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not against Facebook, but I'm just telling you, we, it's not that we don't have time, it's the way we use our time. 
We have time for what the flesh wants, but little time for serving God. I'm too busy. I'm too busy to go visiting. I'm too busy to go to prayer meeting. I've got too much going. Now, I can go to the soccer games, and I, I can go, you know, I have to have a season pass, you know, to Six Flags. I've got to do this, but I don't have time to serve God. And it's abundance of idleness. Another thing Ezekiel says about Sodom's sin, it says, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. There was a lack of compassion for others. Now the Bible, I'm going to have to tell you, the Bible doesn't say that all these things preceded the debauchery of the culture in Sodom and Gomorrah, but I think common sense tells you that it does. This is the way they were. This is what led them to that place. I'm going to tell you, people don't turn. We live in a morally corrupt society. I mean, it is vile and wicked when you think about it. It's things like fornication and adultery and homosexuality or sodomy, whatever you want to call it. These things are becoming a part of our culture. They are a part of our culture. And people pass over them like they're nothing. It's twisted. It's vile. It's ungodly. But what starts it? It's things like pride, thinking I can have my way. No, you can't have your way. You ought to want God's way. A lack of compassion for others. Self-centered. Little regard for those that are hurting and those that are struggling. Just filled with themselves. All these, these characteristics have this common thread. Pride. Fullness of bread. So self-satisfied. Self abundance of idleness. I'm just filling my life with these leisurely things that don't really matter and, don't really, and then don't have time to really help people. And then he says again, and in a way just repeating that in verse 50, and they were haughty. Haughty is another word for pride. They were haughty. They were proud. They were full of self. You know, I used to really um, be a pretty serious sports fan. You know, I played sports when I was in high school, and I followed sports, basketball and um, football, not really baseball much. Not volleyball. That's not a sport. That's really, but anyway. But you know what turned me off against sports? It's all the attention that everybody wants. The pride, the ego. Look at me, look at me, look at me. It makes me sick. It's ungodly. So look, we find this in verses 49 and 50. The list of things begins in 49. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and, here's the last thing it mentions, and committed abomination before me. All these things led up to their abomination that they, that they committed. Abomination is something that's disgusting. It's abhorrent. Evil and moral acts. And then what does the last part of verse 50 say? Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. And 
By the way, God took his people away. He didn't bring fire and brimstone on them, but he took them captive to Babylon for 70 years. It was a horrible thing. A horrible thing. An unnecessary thing. So ask me, what do you think it was like in the city of sin? Not Vegas, sin city, but in Sodom. I'll tell you, this is what it was like. Prideful, obsession with leisure, just filling their life with themselves, not caring about others. And that describes the way a lot of people are. So when I look at this, here's the conclusion that I come to. Their moral perversion was not the root of their sin. It was just the fruit of their sin. The root of their sin was selfishness, pride. No humble, godly person ever did what these people did. No, no humble, godly person would ever have relations with somebody else's wife or husband. It's only a prideful, selfish person that would do that. This, the things that led to them becoming infamous for their wickedness was their arrogance, their obsession. I think it's a lesson. And I think it's a lesson, young person, that these kind of qualities, selfishness, pride, not caring about other people, only wanting to fill your life with what pleases you, those things lead to moral problems. Is that the only place something like this is mentioned? And I want to say no, and I want to go to another place, and we'll conclude there. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. And already some of you are thinking about this passage as I mention it, because you know that this is another, this is like a similar description of what we see in Ezekiel. We see a similar pattern. We see what leads to Sodom-like lifestyle. And so we see where it starts, we see where it ends. Now let's look at, let's look at a verse that describes where it ends. Romans chapter 1 and verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Now that's a descriptive phrase. They didn't like to think about God. They didn't like to have God in the equation. They didn't, like to, they didn't like to think about, what would God think about this? How would God feel? They didn't like that. By the way, a Christian ought to think like that. Before I do that, what would God think about this? Would God be pleased with this? Could I do this to glorify God? No, they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. And so what did God do? Did God just ignore it? Did God just dismiss it? No, it says this, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Imagine God giving a person over to a reprobate mind where they don't even know the difference between right and wrong. Do you think that ever happens? Sure it happens. It happens right here in Romans chapter 1. That's where they ended up. But where did it start? Let's back up a little bit to verse 18. Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness 
and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, we don't take, won't have the time to just dissect every part of this passage, but just think about that phrase. God's wrath against those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. God doesn't give you the truth that you can hold the truth in unrighteousness. He wants, us to, he wants to change the way we think, change the way we live. Then verse 19 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. I believe God is speaking, right? God is always speaking, not, not audibly speaking, but He's speaking for one way through the creation. It talks about this. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. God is speaking through His creation. That there's a God. You can see it, right? Look in verse 20. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are what? Without excuse. They don't have an excuse. Because God is always trying to make Himself known to people. So here's where it began. God's making Himself known. There's opportunities for them to know God, learn about God, see God, recognize God's handiwork. Verse 21, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Now that new God doesn't mean knew Him as a personal Savior, knew Him in a personal relationship. It means they knew about God. They knew that God existed. Because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful. They weren't thankful. But became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. We're seeing a digression, a progression or degression here. God's made Himself known. He gives people light. They're without excuse. They reject the truth. They know. They don't honor God. They're not thankful. They're not grateful to God. And they're, verse, verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They're prideful in their foolishness. Verse 23, and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. They begin to make idols. You know what idols are for? Idols are for man, a man-made object. To, they create an idol that fits their imagination, what they want. Here's a God that I want. By the way, people do that in religion all the time. They're making, they're making their own Jesus who fits their description of what they want Jesus to be. No, we worship Jesus as He is. Verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. It's getting worse. Can you see this? It's getting worse. God also gave them up to their uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, to do things that are wrong. He gave them up. I want to tell you, what we see, the behavior we see in much of America is like animals. God, that God's given, I'm telling you, it's serious. 
And I'm not here just to beat up on people and say, that, you know, I'm, I, I, think, I think America's in bad shape. But what I'm concerned about is that we recognize really what the truth is. And how do we get there? And how do we, how do we prevent going there? Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie, changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who's blessed forever. Amen. Paul felt like it was necessary to say amen. Okay, verse 26, for this cause, because of all these things that they've done, God gave them up unto vile affections, affections or desires, unto vile, wicked, perverted desires. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Now, why do I take the time to read this? Because I see the same pattern here. They're prideful. They don't really want God. That's what we said about Sodom. Prideful, full of themselves, arrogant. This is the same. This is not talking about Sodom. This is talking about people and, and Paul writing to the Romans there. But I'm just telling you, their moral perversion is not the root of their problem. It's their relationship to God. It's their rebellion, it's their pride, it's their independence. Living on their own. Wanting, wanting a life without God. And sometimes we have this idea, and by the way, let me just say, I thank God for His patience. We sang about that in a chorus, a verse of that song. Or I thank God for His patience. His patience in my life. I thank God for it. But I'm going to tell you, God is not obligated to let people, to, to allow people to basically reject his truth and do their own thing and turn away from God and be full of themselves and somehow just let that go on forever and then one day when they get tired and decide to turn to God, you know, then God's going to... I'm just telling God turned these people over. I think God's turning people over in our society to uncleanness, to vile affections. So as they didn't, verse 28, so they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. We read this a moment ago. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. They're depraved in their thinking. I'm telling you, when a doctor will say that he could take a fully developed baby out of the womb born and lay that baby on a table and then between the doctor and the mother they can decide what to do with that baby. That man has been twisted and turned over to a reprobate mind. That's not natural. Young person, don't ever start thinking this kind of thinking is natural. It's not natural. It's twisted. It's perverted. It's evil. It goes on in Romans chapter 1 and gives many other characteristics. Please listen and pay attention to these words. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, 
Covetousness is a sin, wanting what somebody else has. Maliciousness, full of envy, jealousy. Murder, debate, deceit, malignity. Whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. That's an interesting thing that that's put in there in this great list of sins, isn't it? You're sitting here now and you say, well, being disobedient to parents is not a big deal. Read what I just said. It's lumped in there with all these other things. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. I don't know all that that means, but I think a part of what that means is when, I just heard it just recently in the news, when some, some boy or girl, some teenager, blows away their mom and their dad and kills parents and parents kill their children. and, and it's, I'm telling you, it's an unnatural affection. No... People normally don't think like this. It's the, you know, sometimes we, sometimes we think, well, God's going to judge us one of these days. I think God's already judging us by turning us over and just letting us. One of the worst things that could ever happen to you is for God just to say, okay, have your way. And that's what God is doing in these verses. Without understanding, covenant breakers, I read that, without natural affection, implacable. Implacable means they will not commit to something. Unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do those things, do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They enjoy seeing this garbage. They not only they not only participate in this garbage, they enjoy watching other people do it. It's sick. It's sick. It's inappropriate. Where did it start? Where did it start? It started with pride. It started with rejecting the truth. I know this may seem like a stretch, it may seem like an exaggeration, and maybe it is. But I tell you, when people who sit in church just reject truth and reject truth and reject truth, they're opening the door up for a lot of bad things in the future. Truth is to be obeyed. Truth is to be embraced. Truth is to be lived, not rejected. What happens when a person rejects truth? You know what happens? You believe a lie. If I, if I reject the truth, the only thing left for me to believe is a lie. So, you know, if we could just look at our culture, as they say, from 30,000 feet, like you're looking down from a plane, what do you see? What do you see in America? What do you see in our lives? What do you see in our culture, in our society? I think we see all these things. Pride. We don't see humility. We don't see... We see pride. We see fullness of bread. Just everything you could possibly want. We see abundance of idleness. I know people complain, like I said, about how busy they are. You, we, we notice this going home um, about every Sunday. As we're going home, we go on the, uh, the service or the south service road, Springfield, that way out toward Anaconda, the big city of Anaconda. 
And um, we commented often, all these cars that are coming on the eastbound side going into St. Louis, it looks all, and, and the other night, my wife and I were commenting, it looks like there's an accident or something. But you know what they are? They're all these people who are so busy, they leave on the weekend, they go out, go somewhere, and they're all coming back to St. Louis. Friday is the opposite. Friday, look at them on Friday, they're heading out on the westbound side. What I'm saying is, people, people are not, it's not like we don't have enough time, it's the way we use our time. Abundance of idleness. Lack of compassion. I say again, and if you weren't here last Sunday night, I kind of introduced this series. Jesus gave us two times, two eras, that he said would give us insight into what it would be like when he comes back. One of them was Noah's day, right? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall he also in the days of the Son of Man. It was Noah's day. People just disregarding truth, living it up. So, you know, but here's the thing about Noah's day was, the Bible's very clear. God saw the wickedness of men and he said, this is enough. So that said, God said, that's one of the things it'll be, it'll be like. And then he said, all will be like Lot's day. Lot lived in a very corrupt, wicked, vile society. It'll be like Lot's day. And maybe I'm wrong. But if, this, if we're not living in Sodom, we're close to it. It's unlike anything this country's ever seen. And it's not just in this country. But it's unlike anything this country's ever seen. And I hope, I, hope, I would pray that it's all going to get turned around. We're going to have a national revival and, you know, the churches are going to be full and I hope that happens. But I'm not counting on it. And if we're getting close to the end, which we very well might be, we need to start taking stuff seriously. Amen? Because we don't want our children to be caught up in the Sodom-like culture that we live in, right? We don't want that. Now, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, this is pretty serious stuff to think about, right? Because if you've heard the gospel, you've heard the gospel, you've heard the gospel, and you many of you have had it. You've heard it over and over and over. You know it. You could repeat it. But maybe you've never really truly received it. Well, once, once he takes us out of here, your chances of being saved are over. There'll be no more chances. That's, that's serious stuff, isn't it? I think it is. If you're not saved, you ought to think about this. I, I want to make sure I'm on the right side of this thing. Amen? And if you're saved, and you know whether this applies to you or not, and if you're saved, you say, well, really, I have to admit, I'm really not taking this as seriously. It, we, we can be like that, you know, that, that frog in the kettle. You know, you've heard that illustration, you put this frog in the kettle and you turn the heat on and, and the frog's in there swimming around and doesn't even realize it's getting warmer and warmer and warmer and before long it's boiling and he's boiled and he's dead. But you know why? Because 
it's like we, we're in it so we don't recognize what's happening around us. And so I think this ought to be a good wake-up call. This world is not our home. Amen. We're just passing through. Right? We don't want to be like this world. Amen.